Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When is Christmas? December 25th? That's a good answer. Good answer. Good answer. How about January 6th? Huh? Epiphany, yes, but for many people in this world, it's also Christmas. Technically, it's the last day of Christmas. You know, the 12 days of Christmas? On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, and so on and so forth. Don't ask me for all the verses. I don't remember them. All I remember are five golden... Never mind. Christmas is not just a day. It's a season, and even more than that, it's a reality. We don't really know how long Christmas lasted. Well, the season, anyway. To be perfectly honest, we can't even tell you that it was actually in the middle of winter. There are strong suggestions that the reason we celebrated on the 25th is that it was an appropriation of a pagan holiday that occurred just after the winter solstice. They said, you have a party because the sun is coming back out. Guess what? We got something that'll work too. We can celebrate the birth of the sun. Our sun, not yours. Our sun. Anyway, truth is our best um, understanding as to when the actual birth of Jesus occurred was sometime closer to Passover. Sometime in the spring, a period of time we might refer to as the Easter season. But you know what? It doesn't really make a lot of difference. Because we're not celebrating the moment. We celebrate the season, and even more importantly, we celebrate the reality of the birth of the Christ, the incarnation of God among us. And that's really what the Magi came to acknowledge. Notice that I don't say wise men, I don't say kings, I say Magi, because they weren't wise men. Well, they were. They weren't kings in any way from a political perspective. They were magi, individuals from Persia. They weren't even Jews. They weren't Hebrews. They were what they would have been referred to as Gentiles. But they were important. See, Matthew and Luke basically take the birth narrative, which is what we call the story of Jesus in his early life, and divide it up into two pieces, two points of emphasis, if you will. 
Most of Christmas, we get into the whole Luke version because it talks about relationships and how God connected with regular folk like us and made sure that we knew that Jesus was one of us. So that's why Mary and the shepherds and even the angels show up in Luke's gospel. But the wise men show up in Matthew's gospel, along with Joseph. Because in Matthew's gospel, it talks about how the birth of Jesus, the coming of the Christ, was all proper, kosher, if you will. Although I don't think Matthew would have ever used that term. That would be more of Luke. But, but it was done according to the rules, to the prophecies, toward the precepts. And that's where the Magi occur. You see, these were important individuals. The best, there are two words that best describe the Magi. Fortunately, I think they are complementary. They reflect each other. Number one, they were priests. Specifically of the Zoroastrian faith that was predominant in their land. But more than that, they were scholars. They were very well educated, very knowledgeable, not just of their traditions, their theological understandings, by the way, Zoroastrianism and Christianity, really tight. You never hear about it. They're both monotheistic. They both have concepts of heaven and hell. They both have an understanding of a savior. Da -da 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 -da. If you read the two, you'll see a lot of parallels there. So it wasn't all that difficult for these Zoroastrian priests to follow along with the concept of an incarnation of the divine. Theologically or philosophically. That's who the Magi were. They were scholars. And so they looked for a sign. Yes, they went to Herod and said, hey, what's up? Made sense. Herod possessed all the traditions and the writings, all the prophecies of the Jewish people, and they probably hoped that Herod would help them cut through some red tape, if, as it were. They didn't quite think that through, though. Because when Herod said that they were looking for a king... 
Herod thought that they were looking for Herod's successor, which basically meant at some point he would be obsolete, which was not a concept he cherished thinking about. As a matter of fact, you, I think based on later evidence, he took it as a bit of a threat. But anyway, that's getting ahead of the story. So they learned what they could from Herod and they went on and they also relied on their own training. You may have noticed we've been, well, not we, we have elves in this church who have been undecorating us, getting us ready to go back to real life. Thank you, elves. I appreciate it. But when I talked to one of them this past week, I said, just do me one favor. Leave the star. Don't take away the star yet. Because that's what the Magi found. That's what they discovered. That's what they understood would lead them to the place where the child of the divine could be found. I mean, they narrowed it down to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem's not really that big a place. They probably could have gone door to door and figured something out, but to be honest, by the time this was all going on, who knows? See, we're not talking about 12 days. I mean, it's, it's not like the nativity pageants where the last group to show up are the wise men. We sing Silent Night and we go home. It took them a while to get there. And we don't even know exactly how long. It could have been up to two years. Might have been 12 days, more likely. That's the tradition. And the reason January 6th is also known as Christmas Day is that in the Eastern Church, Eastern Christianity, that's the day they celebrate Christmas. They start on the 25th, but they save their big celebration for the 12th day of Christmas. The Epiphany. When the whole world becomes aware that this child is the incarnate God, the incarnate one of the true God. Now for the bad news, the part of the story I don't like telling, and so I just brush by it. Yes, it could be up to two years before they found the baby Jesus now a toddler, if that were the case. Because when Herod figured out that the Magi weren't coming back to report to him, he did his own calculations. And he sent his soldiers out. And in order to protect his throne, 
had the firstborn of every child under the age of two killed. It's there in Scripture. We don't read it much. It's referred to as the slaughter of the innocents. So that kind of gives us our time frame. But that gets us away from the main point. Because we're dealing with that, we're dealing with history. In the gospel, according to Matthew, they aren't so concerned with timelines. They were concerned with keeping things appropriate and proper, kosher, if you will. You see, it wasn't enough that Jesus' own people be aware of who and what he was. Luke had that covered. Luke says, he's one of us. God became incarnate among us. Except it was kind of a narrow definition of us. Matthew expanded that definition. Because not only was he the incarnate God to the Jews, symbolically through the arrival of the Magi and their acknowledgement of the Christ. The whole world, the Gentile world in particular, showed up to acknowledge the reality of this divine event. Which is lucky for us, because otherwise we'd have to be Jewish. But the Gentiles came. They acknowledged the reality of the incarnate God. They found this child in the flesh and proclaimed him as the Messiah, the Christ. And they treated him like the human being that he was. In his own right, a king worthy of wealth and prestige represented by the gold they presented. But more than that, he was also the divine which they acknowledged by giving him a gift of incense, frankincense in particular, still used in many traditions today. Because according to tradition, it is upon the fumes of the frankincense that our prayers ascend 
and go to God. The frankincense was a confession of Jesus' divinity. And then finally, myrrh. Because not only was Jesus a king, not only was Jesus divine, but Jesus was also found to be mortal. And the myrrh was a perfume used as bodies are prepared for the mortal reality of death. Yes, the Magi covered all their bases. They represented us who were not born Jewish and said, we too acknowledge this individual as Emmanuel, God with us. And they turned to Mary, realizing that she would probably bear the greatest pain. And shared with her that a spear will pierce her side also. You want to talk about foreshadowing. And so the story of the Magi and their arrival, whether it took an evening, 12 days, or two years, is a significant part of our story of Christmas. Because it rounds out the reality that Jesus was and is to this creation, to us. It is for this reason that this meal done in remembrance of the living Christ is so central to who we are as Jesus' disciples. Well, it took me six weeks, but I finally got through the characters of Christmas. I don't hear any cheering. There should be cheering. It took you six weeks to tell that story? Anyway. Hopefully I embellished a little. But again, it's not a question of the period of time, be it Advent or Christmas season or whatever we call it. Somebody asked me the other day, where does Advent come from? I said, I have absolutely no idea. They said, you mean it's not scriptural? I said, oh, no. Somebody invented it. Just like somebody invented the entire liturgical calendar. We got a couple of cornerstone holidays, and beyond that, the rest of it's of our own 
design and making. There are good reasons for it, but anyway. Don't confuse it with showing up in Scripture. That's... But it's a reality. That's what we worship. That's what we celebrate. That is what Christmas is. The reality of Emmanuel. God with us. Merry Christmas. Thanks be to God. Amen.